0: Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible, things invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Uh, Just up the road from us, there is a place. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before. It's called Wegmans. Anybody know about it? (laughs) Anybody Anybody ever been there before? Pretty crazy place. Um, Wegmans is awesome. I love Wegmans. They're not paying me to say that, though. I'll take it if they want to. Thanksgiving is coming in a few days, and Wegmans has become crazier and crazier with every day we get successively closer to Thanksgiving. And there are times you can go to Wegmans and there's nobody there. You want to go at 645 on Sunday? You'll have the whole place to yourself. But I guarantee if you want to go after our church council meeting today, that place is going to be insane. I had four people at the 830 service tell me they were going to go buy their Thanksgiving groceries at Wegmans this afternoon. And you know what I said? May God have mercy on your soul. I'll send a search party at 4 o'clock this afternoon. That place is going to be crazy. It was a few weeks ago. It was during a really, really crazy time. It was like 5.30 on a Friday afternoon, a time when I know I should not be going to Wegmans. I went to Wegmans. And I had my three-year-old son with me because there were a couple things I still needed to get for dinner. So there I am with Elijah, my son, and we're walking across the park. And we barely found a place to park. And I put him in one of the things that we call a car cart. They have these shopping carts that are designed to look like a race car with steering wheels and everything it keeps them entertained for all of 10 seconds and then, you know, it goes crazy. But we're there and we're going down the aisles and there are people everywhere. I mean, elbows are being thrown. We got hit by another cart with another kid and another parent trying to get dinner as well. And we were just darting as quickly as we could to get in and get out. And the store was really, really loud. There was just so many people, friends and families and individuals, the PA system was piping in music that was from 1987 and music that probably should have stayed in 1987. And there were also these people in matching shirts. They're called Instacart employees. It's this new business where you pay people to go buy your groceries for you so you don't have to go like I did. And so it's in the midst of this chaos, this cacophony of sound and people elbowing each other trying to get the right groceries on Friday afternoon that I noticed... My son was saying something underneath his breath. Now, some of you know my kid. He's up in the nursery right now. This is not an unnormal thing. My kid talks all the time. We'll be in the middle of, you know, Chick-fil-A, and he'll break out, Jesus loves me, this I know. And he sings it that loud. The best part is other people usually join him in singing it he'll be in the other room playing with cars and he'll create this entire family of cars and they're all talking to each other and banging into each other and he's got this crazy imagination. So for me, Ad Wegmans hearing him talk, I didn't really pay much attention because he does it all the time except I started to listen to the words he was saying. <clears throat> and this is what he said. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. And I said, Elijah, who taught that to you? Because I didn't teach it to you. I know your mom didn't teach it to you. So where did you learn those words? He said, Daddy, we say it every day at school. Really? I said, what do you mean you say it every day at school? He said, Dad, every day someone gets to hold up the flag, and we all stand in a line, and we place our hand on our heart, and we all say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. My son is three years old. <laughs> He goes to preschool three days a week for three hours at a time, where he's learning that ah, ah, ah is A for ah, 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 apple, and buh, buh, buh is B for buh, buh, ball. And he knows the entire Pledge of Allegiance. I share the story with you. Not because I want to offend anyone or because I want to ostracize anyone who's here regarding our potential affinity for something like the Pledge of Allegiance or the American flag. But I do want to call into question how the pledge has become something so determinative in our lives against and perhaps in spite of the fact that a bunch of Christians today are saying Jesus Christ is our Lord and he is the only one to whom we pledge our allegiance. I think it is really remarkable that one of the things we implicitly and explicitly tell young people is that you have to pledge your allegiance to the flag. I think that's a really interesting thing. Especially when today, as I've said, is Christ the King Sunday today for at least the last hundred years, churches have affirmed that Christ is Lord, that our allegiance belongs with him over and against anything and anyone else that might get in our way. As a liturgical day, it started in the wake of the Great War, the First World War. It was a time when Christians needed to remember what it was they really believed. It was a time when Christians needed to remember who they were and whose they were. It was a time when Christians needed to do everything they could to not resort to the horrific violence that they had just done. Spoiler warning, it didn't work. The hundred years of Christ the King Sunday also happened to be the hundred bloodiest years in human history. But for Christians, this day is different for us. It's one of those days where our priorities, our proclivities, and even our politics are reoriented in a different way. It's a time for us to confront a very important truth. If Jesus Christ is Lord, then Caesar is not. Or to be a little more in the nose about it, if Jesus Christ is Lord, then America is not. You know, Paul writes to the church in Colossae, and he has these kinds of things in mind. And I know what Rick read can feel lofty and gratuitous. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power, all that kind of stuff. But Paul is writing to particular people in a particular place with particular concerns. He is worried about them knowing to whom they belong. He wrote with the hopes of changing their lives. Because whether we lived during the time of Paul or whether we live today, we all we fall prey to this temptation to take what is unfamiliar to us and fit it into what we already know. It's how the church again and again, it takes Jesus outside the context of the good news he brought. And instead we use him like a bludgeon to beat back people who disagree with us. I don't know if this has ever been better exemplified than a bumper sticker I saw a few months ago that said this. If Jesus had a gun, he'd still be alive today. Just think about that for a second. If Jesus had a gun, he'd still be alive today. That doesn't make any sense. It, I, I just don't understand it. Not from a Christian perspective. If Jesus had a gun, he'd still be alive today. I mean, that bumper sticker is unintelligible from a Christian perspective. And yet for some of us, most of us, probably all of us, we want Jesus to be a lot of things for us. We want Jesus to be a teacher so long as he teaches the perspective we already have. We want Jesus to be a healer so long as he heals the people who are on our side and not those who are on the other side. We want him to be an ethical guide so long as he tells us, you're fine as you are, you don't need to change. We even want him to be a political wedge so long as we're on the right side and everybody else is wrong. And at times, Jesus is those things. Jesus is a teacher, Jesus is a political wedge. Jesus is those things, but when he is those things, it is for his kingdom and not for the kingdom of our own opinions. Today, we declare that among all the things we want Jesus to be, that he is our king. And that makes a difference. That's why Paul says in what we read today that he is first in everything. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. For in him, all things in heaven and on earth were created. All things thrones, dominions, rulers, powers, they've all been made for him, through him, by him. He himself is before everything and in him everything holds together. Paul will not let the world dictate the terms for the church because he knows and believes it's actually the other way around. He writes here about how we as Christians are people who have been transferred from one kingdom to another one. And in this new kingdom, everything's different. The rules are different. The ruler is different. All the assumptions about what is good and right and true, they're all different. Jesus, through his life and his death and his resurrection, he brings us out of our own kingdoms and brings us into his. And for some reason, we're always trying to bring him into mine or to ours. We cherry-pick verses. We isolate these moments in Scripture in order to give meaning and validity to what we already think is good and right and true. But if Jesus is Lord then that means he is the only one who can tell us what is important or what is good or what is right or what is true. Paul here, he says that being a Christian is like being dropped into a strange land. Everything we thought we knew gets thrown out of the window as we learn a new language, we learn new customs, we even start eating new food. Being a Christian is not about fitting Jesus into our present ways of thinking Christ has kicked us out of our own kingdoms and has said, you're stuck in my kingdom with me. In my kingdom, the first are last and the last are first. I've noted a few times that if we spend time in church just talking about what's wrong in other churches, that doesn't ultimately help us. You know, if you can't say something nice about someone, don't say anything at all, as my grandmother used to teach me. But sometimes it's important and good for us to say, that's not the gospel. So we know what the gospel is. Because if the church tells us that some people are in and some people are out, then it is not God's church. If the church tells us that we have to put America first, then it is not God's church. If the church tells us that any politician or any leader or any celebrity is more important than the least of these, then it is not God's church. As Christians, we can only know what is good, what is right, And what is true, because we know Jesus. Jesus, to use Paul's language, makes the invisible God visible. Jesus, to use Paul's language, is before all things, and all things are held together in him, by him, and for him. Jesus, to use Paul's language, is first. Jesus is first. And if Jesus is first, then nothing else can be. And can you imagine what the world, or at least what the church would look like if we really believed that Jesus was first? Think about how differently we talk to each other. Think about how differently we interact with each other. Think about how different the world and our lives would look if we really acted like Jesus was first. Because if we do that, it's going to get us in a whole lot of trouble with the world. You know, if we think Jesus is first, it calls into question the practices and the habits that form us most. Thinking about Jesus being first is what made me stop when I heard my son saying the Pledge of Allegiance. It made me stop because, as a Christian, my first allegiance isn't to a flag, it's to a cross. And the grace of God is not about adjusting and changing Jesus to fit into my world. The grace of God is different because our God doesn't rule from a throne. He doesn't rule from a Congress or a Parliament or a White House. Our God rules from a cross. The kingdom of God is a kingdom the world doesn't want. Because that kingdom makes a difference. And the difference means that we will be different because God has made us different. The problem in the church today is we just want to be like everybody else. But thankfully God won't let us have our way. On Christ the King Sunday... Almost more than any other Sunday in the year, we confront the wonder and the beauty of this new thing that God has done through God's Son. <coughs> because in the person of Jesus, a new creation has happened. A new kingdom has been established. And in that kingdom, we are called to be gentle, even in a cruel world. We are made to call out acts of cruelty that result in more people being belittled, being made least, lost, last, and dead. And if we call things like that into question, the world will want to kill us. That's why Jesus was killed. He wasn't killed for saying, hey, let's all get along. Hey, let's just love each other a little bit more. No, he got killed because he said the first are going to be last and the last are going to be first. And that's the whole thing. Beyond all talk of allegiance, behavior, worship, all that stuff. At the end of the day, our king died for us. Our king showed us that power comes not with militaristic might, but with meekness. Our king came and made peace through the blood of his cross. Advent starts next week. It's the beginning of a new liturgical year for us. And most of us like to imagine that Advent is this special time <coughs> set apart, giving us time to get ready for Christmas. It's why the stores were already decorated before Halloween, it's why, starting two weeks ago, you could start hearing Christmas carols on the radio. But Advent is not about getting ready for Christmas. Advent is about the end. It's about what happens when Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Advent shows us glimpses of a time we cannot yet imagine when kingdoms of this world are gone and the kingdom of our Lord reigns forever and ever. All of this prayers, our songs, our worship, sermon, scripture, it all comes down to this. We're left with one question. As Christians in the world today, to whom do we owe our allegiance? Because the way we answer that question makes all the difference in the world. So we offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen. Amen.